Hello, my name is Daniel Lev Shkolnik, and this is Reenchantment, a podcast about finding wonder in a secular age. As a humanist, my faith lies in humanity, not in the supernatural. And if you believe that spirituality is fundamentally about cultivating the human spirit, this podcast is for you. In college, I heard a talk by Anthony Cronman. He was a law professor at Yale, but he wasn't talking about law. Instead, he was talking about the meaning of life. I'd paced around this question a lot. I read a lot of philosophy. But the answer that he proposed was something new that I hadn't heard before. He called for a serious spiritual counteroffensive against the fundamentalist forces of our day. Right now, said Cronman, religions remain the only institutions that take seriously the questions most central to human existence. And while their answers might be unsubstantiated in the eyes of science, they have answers and are more than willing to provide them to anyone in need. What Professor Cronman was responding to in his talk is the crisis of meaning something that's central to this podcast and to the challenge of finding meaning in a secular age. To understand the crisis of meaning and why it matters today, we need to go back to the mid to late 1800s. Around this time, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche penned the pithiest and most famous expression of the crisis of meaning when he wrote, God is dead and we have killed him. The 1800s were a time when Darwinian evolution and Enlightenment thinking were casting real doubts about whether God was something people could still believe in. For the first time in human history, answers began appearing for the origins of human life that didn't rely on a Genesis myth. Nietzsche understood the implications of Darwin's work, and his philosophy was suffused with references to the good of the species and the notion that humanity was on a track to evolve into some higher order of being which he called the Ubermensch. Nietzsche is often misunderstood as a god-hating nihilist, and while it's true that Nietzsche had little good to say about religion, when he wrote, God is dead, he wasn't saying it with triumph, he was saying it with concern. What Nietzsche understood was that when you can no longer believe in a god-type being or a universal truth that makes good things good and evil things evil, then you have nothing to ground your values in. Without a fixed and certain morality, you risk falling into nihilism. Why should we do anything if all we ever produce, every city we ever build, every masterpiece we ever create, will eventually turn to dust, either by our own hand or by some cosmic catastrophe? In one way or another, we seem doomed to be forgotten by the world, doomed to be insignificant in this universe. The gods that we used to believe in may have been judgmental and cruel, but at least we were important enough to them to deserve their judgment and cruelty. The universe in the scientific paradigm doesn't even really know that we exist. Nietzsche sensed these problems coming, and he saw nihilism not as the solution to the downfall of religion, but rather one of the greatest challenges that would face the human species in the coming century. Does life and everything in it still matter if there is no God? Atheists often argue that if we simply got rid of religions, the world would be a much more peaceful and wonderful place. But good science alone is not enough for a good society. Once we get rid of the idea of God, you can replace it with something else, sometimes better and sometimes much worse. 
The French existentialists Jean-Paul Sartre and Simone de Beauvoir understood this firsthand. Many of their ideas were formed while they lived in Nazi-occupied France. They saw firsthand what it looked like when new values were swiped in for the old. Nazism was atheistic and highly scientific, but science doesn't give you values by which you should live. And the values that Nazism chose set its scientists to work creating a deadly war machine capable of both global domination and mass genocide. The Soviet regime was also atheistic, but became mired in hypocrisy, corruption, and a kind of ideological dogmatism that ended up throttling scientific discoveries that didn't align with the Marxist view of the world. And it could be argued that here in America, despite a widespread emphasis on Christianity and godliness, the real religion of America is power in all its forms, financial, military, social, cultural, and even scientific. But power for its own sake may just be nihilism in disguise. In his book, Education's End, Cronemann argues that despite the apparent progress being made in the world, we live in a powerful but pointless age. Cronemann admits that scientific knowledge brings tremendous power, but a more powerful world is not the same as a more purposeful one. Science is an immensely powerful tool to quantify and understand the world, but while it tells us how things exist, it doesn't tell us why they exist. And it can tell us how to do something more efficiently, but not why we should do it to begin with. For that, Cronman argues, we need to study human culture. Philosophy, ethics, literature, history, anthropology, even theology. The disciplines of the humanities. But the humanities, by comparison to the hard sciences, look like they're underperforming. Literary scholars are not rolling out profitable new theories on Shakespeare, and no moral philosopher has discovered a hitherto hidden dimension of the human heart. Unlike scientific knowledge, writes Cronman, culture, by contrast, is neither uniform nor progressive. It tends to be a force of separation more often than one of convergence. It sets us apart according to taste and tradition, and however meaningful its products, however much we enjoy what they create, the claim that some cultural object or activity reveals in a decisive way the universal truth about the world is a claim that we often find hard to accept. In this sense, culture lacks the authority that science possesses. The humanities cannot satisfy our desire to understand with the same decisive clarity as the natural and social sciences. What then do we need them for? asks Cronman. What can their purpose and value be? The answer he gives is that we need the humanities to meet the deepest spiritual longing of our age, whose roots lie in the hegemony of science itself. At one and the same time, science elevates human power while trivializing humanity. It's no accident that Genesis stories from around the world have had human beings at or near their centers. In these myths, early humans interacted with a god or a cast of gods who created the universe and as a result, humanity had a very special role to play in the story of the cosmos. Very often, these stories entrusted the human species with the task of saving or sustaining the world. The Genesis story science tells is very different. Human life arrived not with the breath of God into our noses, but through billions of years of trial and error. Instead of occupying the center of the animal kingdom, we are perched on a remote twig of the tree of life. And our planet isn't fixed at the center of the universe, but rather goes in circles around a small cul-de-sac 
on the outskirts of the Milky Way. This seems to be much closer to the true story of humanity, but it is much further from the story human beings have been telling themselves for thousands of years. The story human beings want, or maybe even need, is one in which our lives feel endowed with purpose. It doesn't have to be a supernatural story. It doesn't have to place us at the center of the universe. And it doesn't have to ignore scientific discoveries. But it does have to give us the sense that we matter, that our lives matter, that our acts of sacrifice and goodness are not in vain, and that our love and our pain are not worthless. Right now, we don't really have a story like that. Albert Camus, another French existentialist, called our situation absurd. We ask the universe for meaning that it cannot provide. As far as we can tell, the universe just is. We also just are. We want meaning, and the universe can't give it to us. We often think that influence is the same thing as meaning. We think that because we are so small, we will never have a meaningful effect on the universe. But influence is not the same thing as meaning. Bertrand Russell said that a hippo is larger than Isaac Newton, but it doesn't mean that the hippo is more valuable than Newton. The planet Jupiter, many, many times greater than the Earth, with a massive influence not just on its own moons, but on other orbits of planets in our solar system, has not a shred of meaning within it. It cannot understand its own purpose and seems to have none inherent in it. As far as we can tell, we are the only place in the known universe where meaning comes from. We, our minds, create human meaning and experience it. We can travel for millions of light years and might not find a place as meaningful as our own backyards, as our own homes, endowed with layers of memory, with artifacts that we keep on our chimney mantle, with pictures of the people that we love that sit on our desks. We are surrounded by meaning that we have created and that only we can truly experience for all of its color and richness and power. Kraman calls for a secular spirituality to bring our attention to our vast powers of meaning-making, various practices and philosophies that work to affirm life. By secular spirituality, he doesn't mean a scientific rationalization of the superstitious. He doesn't mean we should investigate strange energies or auras. What he's talking about is a way of thinking and living that is in line with what science tells us about the universe and ourselves, but that also gives sophisticated and deeply satisfying answers to the meaning of life. A robust secular spirituality would serve to inspire us, to humble us, and to re-enchant the world without filling it with fantasy. Ultimately, that is what this podcast is about. It's about finding ways of living in a scientific age without doubting that living is worthwhile. To find firm ground in the cosmic sea. To dispel depression and cynicism. To bring us closer to each other and to the sense of belonging in this universe. We need ways to talk and think about reality. Ways that soar high above our daily struggles and look down from a thousand miles away in the same orbit where we once thought angels flew. From that vantage, we can look backwards through time, not 5,000 years, but nearly 5 billion years, to the dawn of the earth, 
and the headwaters of the roaring river of life, that vast and morphing serpent of evolution, which creates new forms and destroys them, consumes itself to create itself in an anarchic alchemy that reaches forward and backward in time, encircling the globe. We gain perspective on something that none of us fully understands, but on which all of us depend. Science may help us know the universe, but spirituality helps us feel it. We don't have to contradict the facts to make ourselves feel meaningful. We have to look at the facts with the right perspective, like a jeweler searching for the right angle to set a jewel. This podcast is about finding that angle, that perspective which makes the world sparkle and shine. I believe the non-religious community needs good answers, serious answers to the question of human existence that are in line with and derive from our scientific understanding. Cronman writes that the stage is set for a revival of secular humanism. Right now, there is a widespread longing for an alternative to fundamentalism, says Cronman, a longing for an undogmatic rebirth of spiritual concern. The hunger is there, says Cronman. We have to find the right food to satisfy it. Thank you for listening to Reenchantment. You can find the show notes for this episode on our website, reenchantmentpod.com. If you like the message of this podcast, please, please, please subscribe and let one other friend know about the podcast. This is a young show, and like most things, it needs love in order to grow. Thank you, and see you next time on Reenchantment. Reenchantment.